When I was growing up was during the 90s, so it was what I've heard a friend call the cow the black cowboy hat country era, which was Garth Brooks and Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and Shania Twain, the Judds, all those. And so I listened to a lot of that. I also loved um, Bonnie Raitt. So I listened to her album a lot and give them something to talk about that song and um also a lot of like modest mouse and whatnot but that was growing up growing up during high school that was more country music i've never heard this term the black hat era does that mean that all these artists tended to wear black hats well, it was Joanne Gardner who's, who said that, and I maybe I'm quoting her incorrectly. I think it was, yeah, maybe during that era, like Clint Black and all those guys did wear a lot of the black hats. And then before that, maybe in the older country, it was more silver belly hats or brown or, you know, in the 70s or 80s, it was like the feather which is coming back now, almost like what Chris Stapleton wears, you know, where it's like a tall oh. brim. I think they call it a pig farmer hat, actually, which is pretty funny, like very tall kind of crown. And then they have this funny, well, it's not funny. It's cool looking. I shouldn't, I'm not mocking it, but it's like a feather um, hat band versus like a horse hair or a, uh, some sort of leather hat band. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> little history that I it's just hearsay, but why not? Oh yeah, and then as far as influences on your songwriting go, I remember you mentioning Jillian Welch at one point. Yeah, yes, I love her. I love her for so many reasons, many of which you probably totally get being in music city Austin area if you still are but you know she kind of went out on her own she did something totally different from everybody else which was writing these really kind of old-timey tunes that were really simple yet really complicated and not over complicated and you know she didn't just write about herself she kind of wrote about historical events which I thought was kind of neat um yeah she's a big influence this is musicians can thrive a podcast community for anyone seeking to make money in the music industry musicians audio engineers managers producers booking agents everyone across all niches welcome my name is gabrielle i'm a singer songwriter these stories are for you i hope they'll help you find new ways to thrive as a musician For all of these listeners who are not familiar with what you do, would you be willing to share? Yeah, of course. In 2008, we started a band out of the Livingston area called Little Jane and the Pistol Whips, and it was made up at that time of another female who played mandolin, who was married to the guitar player. And then Russ Smith, who's still with us today, and he plays bass and sings harmony. And it's really cool. It's been really all different kinds of configurations from an acoustic band to an electric band. And what I mean when I say that is drums and electric guitar. 
and sometimes a pedal steel versus you know banjo and mandolin and stand-up bass it was had more of a country feel than a bluegrass feel and we've had two albums of all original music out we're working on the third and um yeah i worked at the treatment center substance abuse treatment center one of my parts of my work was to have a songwriting group which is how i met your lovely self way back <laughs> in the day and we got to write songs and just be free form and free spirited um so I've always kind of made music part of my work, whether it was supposed to be there or not. But yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I love this musical journey. I can't wait for it to keep going. Yeah, me neither. I'm very excited for that third album Thank to you. come out. Me too. You're welcome. So you've also done work as a solo performer, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. did that come after the band started or at the same time that's a great question after the band started and it was basically just a means of i still wanted to play and i could because i didn't have a family meaning like i didn't have kids or a husband at the time i just was a single lady and so i still wanted to play on the weeknights while the guys were busy with you know obligations home life and also, I could afford to play for a lot less money than they were willing to leave the house for, you know. So I could mm-hmm. play at a brewery or a winery or a distillery for $100, which is still good money for myself. And then nobody has to leave their home. So I'm still promoting the band name, still getting the songs out there, still selling merch. And, you know, but I, I don't have to count on anybody else but myself. And then you didn't have to split that lower guaranteed with right yeah which is tough when you break it down hourly you know it's still good money for what we do as you know it's really a treat to play music and make money but yeah and it's always nice to walk away with you know 100 bucks or 50 dollars or you know and maybe a couple drinks or food is really awesome Mm -hmm. yeah and it's hard to be a solo performer too so it is a challenge and Oh, sometimes more than others, you know, when you're crammed in the corner of a noisy place and nobody's really listening, and then you realize somebody is listening, even if it's just one person, and then they come up to you afterwards, and it's a good reminder just to, you know, give it your all, no matter what show it is, because somebody's usually listening, even if it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, for sure. Do you find that it's harder to get people's attention when you're doing those solo shows or is it easier or does it just depend on the venue? Hmm. I have found that I make more tips usually when I'm solo. I don't know if it's because I'm great or people feel bad for me. (laughs) They're like, oh, that poor person, she's playing by herself. Nobody's listening to her. No, just kidding. But Sometimes I think it's easier to get people's attention as a solo artist because they're listening to you and your voice and your playing too versus, I mean, the bandmates I get to play with are so amazing and talented. And I mean, I could just go on and on and on. So, you know, my voice is in there with their playing, but their playing really shines through. And so a lot of times people are there to listen to the proficiency of the musicians versus, I mean, 
that's my assumption than the, the singer. But, you know, I had some really great feedback from someone I really admire and respect, Larry DiMarzio from DiMarzio Inc., which I did do a video of a couple of years ago, a couple summers, uh, that small town girl video with him. And he actually, you know, he's, I really respect him. And he came up to me at a solo show at Bozeman Spirits Distillery. And he's kind of looking and holding his chin and sideways and looks. And he comes up to me after and he goes, I actually prefer you as a solo artist. Huh. And I was like, whoa, I had never heard that before. You know, it's just, uh, it's interesting. So, I mean, I think sometimes as a solo artist, it is easier to capture people's attention because you're the only thing there, which is for better or worse. So if you make big mistakes, I mean, you are also capturing their attention. But if you're in the moment and feeling it, I think it really comes through because there's no other distractions. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah, I guess. You find my, that. Well, I've always felt a little insecure about being up on a stage with just me and my guitar because you have to add dynamics into a song with no drums, no bass, I know. no lead so guitar. Yes. It's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure and every mistake is your own. You can't blame same. it. On, can't blame it on anybody else. Yeah, that is for sure. Just hope no one notices. Mm -hmm. And I guess try to make as few mistakes as possible. That's kind of a given. <laughs> yeah, I'm grateful. So grateful for my time playing alone because sometimes it is really, really hard to like get up there and play by yourself and also as a singer if you're trying to fill a two-hour time slot just by yourself that's a lot of songs because you don't really realize how much um, time is taken up by solos and what a relief that is to have people solo just as a break for your voice mm. so sometimes if I'm feeling very like tired or my voice is feeling fatigued I'll actually split that money and see if I can't talk somebody into playing with me regardless, just because I think it almost, you know, probably cuts the singing time down by a quarter because you get to draw on those solos. But I mean, unless you can solo really well, which I can't, all you're doing is strumming chords, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> One of the things I've noticed just in the years that, I was being mentored by you and watching your band perform around the Livingston Bozeman area is you've built a real following with the people in that local community. And I think it's one of the most magical things about your band. That is so sweet to say. And I almost could get choked up <laughs> because it is magical and it means so much. And it's, Oh, I mean, I'm, I don't know if really famous people feel the same way. I'm sure they must, you know, where they just get, I mean, on a big, big level of people following them. It just means the world and, you know, venturing out. I don't know if we're going to touch on that, but going into California or even this Arizona area and, you know, not knowing anybody and getting a lot of rejection. I always drew on the fact that I had my people back home. And not only bandmates, but just the fans and the people that have supported our music from the get-go. And I just felt 
in my heart that that was such such a powerful feeling to lean on it was like i knew the people in montana had my back regardless and they accept you know our music and me it just felt like a love a different level of love in a different kind of way that i don't think a lot of people get to experience that i knew you mm-hmm. know those people had my back which is so cool and I don't know. It means the world. So I'm so grateful for every time you came to a show or anybody comes to a show and people knowing the words to your original songs is such a cool thing. You know, they sing along and you see them and you're like, what? That is so neat. Someone knows the words to my song because I know the words to a lot of other people's songs and I don't really think much of it. But when someone actually resonates enough with my own song to sing along it's just really cool mm-hmm. magical yeah, like you awesome. said <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure yeah and then at some of your shows with your band it would be in a dancing context do you find yeah. that country music lends itself well I mean that's just kind of a dumb question of course country music mm. lends itself well to dancing but have you found that that makes it easier for people to engage with your music? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a great question and good observation. I think it's another level of art form that people get to get out and, you know, they love dancing as much as we love music. And so they have, like the dancers of the Livingston Bozeman area, they put out a schedule on the first of every month about where the shows are going to be. And these people are pretty dedicated to following not only our group, but all kinds of the groups in the area and just following, you know, those country bands or bluegrass bands. And we love seeing them walk through the door and they're dancing and it, it can be distracting in a good way for me because I love, I love watching them so much too, while I'm up playing that sometimes I just kind of get in a trance (laughs) watching them and it's a it's an energy exchange like sometimes I'll be doing a song and I will lock eyes with people that I know pretty well like I'm thinking of a couple there's Peggy and Steve and then there's Mark and Christine and it's like they're egging me on and I mean there's no verbal going on I'm assuming this with my own brain that like their eyes are like hey look at me and I'm like nice moves or you know just vice versa they're like hey that was really you know and it just seems like almost a nonverbal language going on between the dancers and the band. If, if you're paying attention, it's really neat. And they always, you know, they, we try to accommodate them as much as we can too. They love waltzes. I mean, that must be a very popular dance. So we get extra tips usually if we play waltzes. (laughs) So yeah, they, they love to waltz, which is really neat. A lot of those old country songs have a waltz in it as well. We like playing what they like playing. And then we also like playing our stuff, you know, but that's one thing we've been is just true to our own sound. And luckily we mix it up a lot. You know, we play fast and slow and different beats so that they can do all their various dances. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you figured out the way to cater to them and give them what they're looking for in a show that ends up paying off well for you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, ideally when I'm building a set list, I try to just think about that. And it's not, it's, it's having not just one tone of song, 
like all slow or all fast. Like they really like a mix of slow and fast. And personally, I do too. So it's kind of nice. Just it works for both of us, I think. You know, and that is country music. There's, you know, two stepping songs and hold your partner close and slow dance kind of songs. And you've been at those bars or areas where it's just kind of magical to look out and see everybody bopping up like their heads you know everybody's just moving in time and I, I'm thinking of the Sacagawea Hotel in my own mind you know that it's that kind of bar downstairs and there's just been many a time I can picture where people are just all out there way far as I can see just dancing away and it's just really a cool thing. Yeah I definitely have started to notice that the bands that I've come across where they have a live sound that people can dance to Mm -hmm. it makes me love them even more as an audience member Mm -hmm. and then I feel like also the bands themselves get a little bit more engaged in the show because of what you were talking about with that exchange probably I agree and even as a participant like right now my husband doesn't dance which is a real drag but I do But if I'm standing there watching people dance at a venue, it's like double entertainment, right? It's like this venue is almost getting another free, well, not another, but they're almost getting free entertainment for their patrons because it is entertaining to watch the dancers as much as it is to watch the band sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Especially if you get one of those really talented couples where they're just spinning and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Or like think of Ned from member pine creek yes Um, oh my god yeah or you know now he's at follow your nose barbecue and when ned is feeling it it's just magical he gets out there and cuts a rug and everybody wants to be him i have a feeling you know they just want (laughs) to like i wish i could let loose like that or you know i wish you know it's just it's so cool to watch him do his thing so people love it yeah for sure The first time I found out about Ashley's band, Little Jane and the Pistol Whips, it was because my aunt thought I would like her music. Growing up in a small Montana town, it's pretty easy for word of mouth to get around. After all, there aren't that many people. But what Ashley hasn't mentioned here is just how engaged her audience is. Again and again, the people around me would be talking about Little Jane and the Pistol Whips. Or they would go, hey, have you seen that Little Jane lady? Word might get around in small towns, but not every band gets talked about that consistently. This is one of the reasons why I looked up to Ashley and her band so much over the years. Building an audience is one of the challenges that I've struggled with the most. One of the things I learned from Ashley is how designing a set list around what your audience wants to hear and what will earn their engagement with your show is one of the most powerful ways that you can earn that word-of-mouth promotion. You did briefly mention going to California and Arizona, and Mm -hmm. I was wanting to ask you about your experiences with that, because you have this home base in Bozeman, Montana, where Mm -hmm. you have this community that's actively engaged with your music and helping you build a career making money as a performing Mm -hmm. musician and then you translated that to these other locations and I'm wondering what your experience has been with that 
Oh, I want to stay positive because there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that experience. We are very, very number one. We're so lucky in Southwest Montana to have the support that we have with the venues and the talented musicians that we get to pull from to play with. I don't. Th- I. I mean, I'm sure Texas or um, Tennessee is probably equal, but I mean, country players in Southern California, that's just not the Mecca for country music, really. I mean, it's getting there, but, you know, there's not a lot of country music type people. It was really good for me because I, it was tough. There's so much competition and it was the little fish in a big pond kind of thing. And what I took away from it was, damn, that was hard, A. And B, like, just how lucky I am at home, you know, growing up playing music in Montana, I didn't really realize how good we really had it. And then when you go out somewhere and you're told, no, 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 no calls back, you know, just a lot of rejection, you think, and, you know, in Montana, we're treated so well, we're paid well, we're fed well, we're, the venues are kind to us, we're given free drinks, you know, we get breaks and, um, it's just, you just appreciate more what you have at home. You know, it's almost like the grass isn't always greener. But with that said, I did find a couple of venues right before I left that were really fun to play at and some really great people that I'll probably stay in touch with as well over the years that I was able to play with or, um, you know, one, one gal I'm thinking of, her name's Katie Joe, and she's from Kentucky, no, Kansas, excuse me, that she's out there, you know, grinding it out. And we would have, um, like a weekly walk on the beach and just talk about, you know, the struggles we're going through as females trying to lead bands and book gigs. And it was just really nice to have that camaraderie and a few people out there that I did find that kind of got me through the the bumps of being out there. Mm-hmm. And then you're in Arizona now. I'm in Arizona this winter, heading back to Montana here soon, hopefully permanently. And uh, I just connected with a kind of a music theater that I'll be filling in. They had somebody quit unexpectedly. So this is going to be a really fun and different role for me. It's uh, I think it can only help my like showmanship is that they do medleys, which I had never done before, which is, you know, cutting up a song and using three bits of a song to make one song. You know, it's mm-hmm. like one artist section. And I won't be playing guitar, which is so weird for me. You know, it'll be very, what do I do with my hands? You know, how do I, what do I do here? But I'm just going to try to almost like in Vegas, you know, what's, what happens here stays here. Like, I'm just going to try to be like this different person, you know, and just ham it up a little bit because that's what they want, you know? So there's a few shows this month coming up that I'll be filling in for. And I'm kind of excited about the challenge. Yeah, that and, sounds like a great challenge. <laughs> you know, the guy's like, you work this side of the stage, you work that side of the stage, you know, you're really engaging with the audience and you're going to have a cordless mic and I'm going to be like feeling like Britney Spears up there or something, just like work, <laughs> work in the audience. And yeah, it'll be, it'll be different. But I, I think it, all of these experiences, no matter any of them, California, Arizona, or I've played out of state before, they all help, you know, and Mm -hmm. you always meet a few people in every crowd or 
place that stay with you. So it's always worth it to get out there, even if it's kind of painful for myself and telling myself that, you know. Mm-hmm. One thing that I'm really curious about is you mentioned before talking with your friend about the challenges of leading a band as a female. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to know more about that. Well, sometimes personalities can clash. And, you know, I don't want to be stereotypical, but, you know, because there can be diva personalities in men and women. And I'm sure my bandmates at times would call me a diva. And they're probably, you know, when they hear this, they'll be nodding their heads like, mm hmm. It's tough sometimes if you have the wrong people in your group to be assertive. And this just might be gender roles that we've played even out of musicianship, you know, to actually ask for what you want, to be real clear and direct. And I mean, we hear that a lot where it's like, well, you know, that person's really, that woman is super assertive. She's a bitch, you know, but Mm -hmm. if she was a man, she'd be like, she'd be a CEO of a company. She'd be so respected. But as a woman, it's like, oh, she's, you know, so hard to deal with, you know, but Mm -hmm. so that's one aspect, you know, beating the streets and getting out into venues. Sometimes people can, you know, just like we're dealing with right now with any sort of uh, sexual advances that you don't want, or, you know, trying to get that gig or, you know, it's just, People can be inappropriate as in any setting if you're the woman, but you know, we learn, we learn how to navigate and shine people on and move out of the way or whatever. But I mean, I don't want to harp too much on the negativity. I'm pretty lucky because I just have a long history with my bandmates and we're all like siblings, you know, pretty much, but I've had people come and go. That's for sure. Maybe my personality is not for everybody and that's just something to realize as well is you know the people that love you they'll stick by you and the people that don't well hopefully you can still stay friends you know and have a decent working you know if you see each other in the music store or in passing to say hey how's it going how's this or that you know and that's what I ran into mostly so far but yeah I mean I think with this next album, I really think about it as well, because as a woman, I really turn my creative energy and power over to everybody else. Just, uh, what do you hear? Or, you know, with this song, or, you know, what do you think instrumentation-wise should be in here? And I'm thinking with this one, you know, it's been almost 10 years since the last one. So I need to just, I want to take back some of my own power in that and and just say, here's what I'm hearing, you know, and just be more assertive in my vision for the project, you know, but sometimes that can get kind of blended if you are muddled, if you're a woman and you don't stay strong to your vision, you know, you kind of have to be very clear going into a project and not do the typical, like, what do you guys think? Or, you know, opening it up for a lot of interpretation. Mm-hmm. I can see how that would be particularly challenging in the studio. You know, I think a lot of it is inexperience and my fault too. You know, really, I think experienced people uh, and 
maybe insecurity if I'm being truly honest about my ability as a musician that I feel I need that input from other people you know that Mm. my vision is not enough just to say here's what I want you know one of the ladies I really love and admire is Nico Case I listen to a lot of her music and I did meet with one of the studios down here that recorded one of her couple of her albums and he just said she was a very strong co-producer of her own album. Like she had a very clear vision of what she wanted and the sound. And I'm going to have to do a little homework and really sitting with my tunes before we go in the studio to be similar, you know, open to ideas, but stay clear to the big vision that I have, you know, which I don't know what that is at this point, but you know, I got to figure it out. Well, now I'm just even more excited to see what this third album is going to sound like. Oh, you're so sweet. I am too. There's songs I've written on it that I would like to listen to myself. You know, there's, you know, Mm -hmm. you ever hit where you find one song and you listen to it 50 times and, you know, until you're finally just sick of it. Like (laughs) it's, it's, it's kind of fun when you write one of those for yourself. And I'm like, man, if I had that song on, I would, I, would, I would be so listening to that song right now. You know, I just, it's kind of fun like that. So I have a bunch of songs I'm excited about on the new album too. That is so exciting to hear. We've made it about halfway through the show and we're going to have a quick pause. Ads are irritating distractions, so they'll never be a part of the Musicians Can Thrive podcast. There are three things you can do that would be super helpful, though. Whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, subscribe. Share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. Text it to them, email it, or post it on social media. Lastly, if you're feeling extra generous, leave a quick review on your favorite podcast platform. All you have to do is just put those stars. Don't have to add anything else unless you are feeling like you have something else to add. I appreciate your support. Back to the show. While we're on the songwriting note, do you want to talk a little bit about the songwriting workshop that you did where I met you? Sure, I'd love to. So why did you decide to start mentoring a bunch of preteens and how to songwrite? Well, originally, I mean, through my work, when I first started, we were given a little bit of time to do what they call alternative activities. And... I obviously just thought, well, music, like that's my, it it saves people, it helps people, you know, it's a common language that we all get, not we all, but a lot of people get whether they can play or not. Music touches them on some level and, you know, I was thinking about, maybe it was selfish in a way too, because I got to partner with the lovely ladies at um, Livingston Center for Arts and Culture and have our class in that awesome space and then just open it up to whomever wanted to show up and not I mean with that songwriting group it was kind of like we shared our ideas right we kind of helped each other along and the whole the only rule was really like don't be mean to each other you know Mm -hmm. don't say anything mean be supportive and I really think every single person in that class was that I think everybody was really respectful of everybody's ideas or songs and 
I love that. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of structure to it, I would say. Like, here's an exercise. But it was just a space for kids or teenagers that didn't fit in the traditional after-school activities to go to and express themselves around their peers that maybe they normally wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And you were so badass because you were about four years younger, I think, than all the rest of the kids in the class. <laughs> so you were there. I mean, and they knew it too, I think. Like all the guys that I can think of that were there. I mean, they thought it was so cool too that you were this young. You were probably 12, I bet, right? Or 13. I think I was 12. Yeah. And they were maybe all 14, 15, or 16, maybe even older. Like, I just thought, I still think that is so cool that, and you just always had a real confidence about yourself and your material was great. And you just played your heart out in front of these older people. So that was really cool to see as well, just that you felt comfortable enough and just to, you know, go there. That's pretty impressive. Well, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I remember how that workshop alone really shifted the way that I thought about songwriting Mm -hmm. and it just helped me get more comfortable with writing songs and putting ideas out there and testing new things because I would get ideas from the different kids around me because we were all Mm -hmm. sharing and it honestly was one of the best things I ever did as a songwriter (laughs) that's so awesome that gives me goosebumps and I hope to recreate that again I I did a a small, I think they were calling it, I don't, I forget, but it was called the Cougar Fridays or something. And I went into this music class at the middle school with David Gunderson to do songwriting class as well. And oh my God, it was so chaotic. It was crazy chaotic. The kids were just like bouncing off the walls, banging drums, not listening to hardly anything I said. But the, the takeaway was, I still get Instagram messages. It happened this week from one of the kids um, in there. And he said, hey, I'm thinking of writing a song. Do you mind helping me a little bit with this idea or that? And that just means the world to me. You know, it just is an outlet. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the subject matter was, you know, heavy. And I think that's great. Like, what a great place to put those feelings is in a song or journaling versus you know some other destructive habit and that's why I think music is just so important and songwriting in particular because it's journaling and writing it's just such a cool thing it's it's like you I keep drawing back on that word that you said magical Mm -hmm. and I'm so glad it helped you and affected you and it actually helped me too you know it always it helped me as well as a writer just to hear your you all's ideas and see you struggle through you know coming up with new stuff I had to as well like it's it's tough for me as it was for anybody to you know I think some weeks we would try to you know pick a what do we do we like tried to pick a subject matter and come back the next week with like a song written about it mm-hmm. yeah like, that's tricky and tough and sometimes you really don't feel it but you're you know and and sometimes they were ridiculous topics you know that <laughs> we would never think to write a song about but it's helpful. Yeah, it definitely was. Stretch the boundaries of the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So speaking of stretching outside your comfort zone, 
I Mm -hmm. have this memory of seeing an announcement that you were opening for Imagine Dragons in Bozeman. Uh (laughs) So how did that happen? And what was that like? Well, I think we just need to be honest with what it really was. I'd love to be like, yes, I was right there shaking hands with those guys. And, you know, but it was kind of a sideshow in the front venue. So it was almost like uh, people walked through the gates and there we were other, under a tent. And it was kind of, it was awesome for one, but it was funny because that's a very different, like you're saying, comfort zones or stretching. That's a very different crowd than our kind of like, you know, country music crowd. But so it wasn't really like opening, opening, but it was really cool to even share the same bill as that. Obviously, that was a real just feather in our cap. We were just asked by MSU to to do that. And I was like, well, heck yeah. I mean, we were under just a little tent, like I said, right when you first walk in. So you know, got exposed to different kinds of people and different, you know, we kind of just entertained them before they went into the show, which was cool. And then we got to go to the show ourselves and kind of go anywhere in the whole venue that we wanted to, you know, it was pretty neat. That is, I was inspired by the show. I was like, I hadn't really known much about or followed Imagine Dragons. And it really helped that the guy had a shirt off the whole time. It was super attractive. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, gosh, he is very fit. Wow. (laughs) And an amazing songwriter and a super advocate for LGBTQ rights. I mean, it goes on and on. It's really cool. Did you get any ideas for putting on your own shows after seeing a big performance like that Mm, not really I mean I watched and I don't even know his name I can't even remember it right now but the lead singer I watched his I admire the heck out of someone who puts on a show like that like he you'd have to be fit like he's jumping all around he's engaging the audience he brings somebody up out of the audience he's you know kneeling down and looking at people and I could use a little more of that, you know, I, I get real comfortable in just standing and playing my guitar and there is a showmanship to a show. And so, I mean, back to this country dinner theater thing I'm going to do here, like that'll give me an opportunity to gently kind of get into that where it's more mm. showmanship versus singer songwriter, you know, because I think there's a mix in between, you know, where you could, I could just be a little more engaging, a little more, you know, move my body in a way because I know my instrument so well now too, that I don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. Like it's one thing when you're learning to play guitar and sing, like that's all you can kind of manage. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. That's how I was. Like, it's hard to just even keep it together, but like, I know the material so well now that like I could almost stand on my head and play you know, or whatever. But so I need to quit falling on the comfort zone of just like, here I am standing up, playing my guitar, doing my thing. Like I need to get a little more showmanship. I need to dance a little bit while I'm up there and, you know, just look at people in the eye. Like, I never know. Is that what you're supposed to do? Is that awkward? Like, are you supposed to just stand there and like, I mean, I'm sure you don't stare for a long time. That would be super (laughs) awkward. (laughs) 
how the person like looks away, but like you probably are supposed to like look at that person in the eye, give a smile, you know, and then just engage. Like sometimes when you're nervous, when I'm nervous, I try to like look out over everybody's head or look at the ground or, you know, it's just, I'm hoping from what you, you know, mentioned with the Imagine Dragons or this country dinner theater that I'll get some of that experience of showmanship and I can apply that to my group, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It sounds like you're just approaching the next level of improvement, I guess is the word, as a professional musician, because by God, you've got a great sound and you've got the audience. And so now the next step is taking the showmanship upwards. Right. And that's, that's uncomfortable for sure. Like I, maybe you've noticed, but I'll leave the stage and I'll go dance myself with the people that are dancing. I love to country dance, but it's another thing to be the person singing and dancing. I mean, cause the attention's on you, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I think of my sister-in-law, she's so talented, Molly Williams. She has a band called Moons. Well, it's her M O O N Z Z. And she's the whole package. So I admire her as well as a, as an artist, she's, she's doing the dance moves herself. She's singing, she's writing, you know, it's, it's a production and it's pretty neat. She gets really dressed up and that's it too, is really like, don't show up to a gig wearing like, I don't know, look nice. It's a show, like put on a show for people, you know, they got dressed up and left their home, you know, like I Mm -hmm. think as musicians, we should really do the same, like do our hair, do our makeup, you know? Yeah, Maybe that's old fashioned, but you know, it's still a show and the kind of music I play caters to the, that generation sometimes that appreciates that extra effort Mm -hmm. of, you know, leaving home looking good too, you know, and I need to remember that sometimes because it is a little bit more effort to put on tights and put on a dress and put on, you know, and especially in a winter climate. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) It's like, bring your boots, bring boots, to, you know, change out of your boots and the other boots and less know. weather protected boots. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think people that don't live in a w- winter climate don't really know the, the <laughs> challenges of winter looking nice. Yeah, it is. It is a challenge. That is for sure. Wear a hat and then your hat hair gets all matted down and or don't wear a hat, and then it gets wet. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's really first world problem, but it's it's just another added level to look beautiful. Yeah, I do think it's important though to put that effort in. I've even just in the past uh, how many months has it been? Two months that I've been back in Austin, and I've been going to shows almost every week. And I've started nice. noticing, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. But I've noticed that the bands that get me really excited about their music, mm-hmm. it's not just the music. It is they look sharp on stage. Right. They engage the audience, whether it's by blowing up balloons and bringing them out during this one song for the audience oh, to like funny. toss around. It is so much fun. Um, yeah. Or like they'll just they'll talk to the audience and they'll 
look at that back and forth where they'll get people to clap and get involved. And I just find that doing those little things, they make a bigger impression on the audience. And at some point, that's what you're there to do. Right. And I could do a hundred percent better job of that. You know, I really could. So it's good to even talk to baby you about this because it's just a reminder to me to talk to the people out there, you know, uh-huh. and like you said, get them clappy. And like, that's so fun when people do that. When I'm in a show, it's fun. Yeah. It's, that's a good reminder. <laughs> well, glad Thank I you. can help. <laughs> You're <Yeah>. welcome. <laughs> When it comes to performing your music in front of a live audience, Ashley makes an important point about how for many years the main focus in your mind is often just making sure you don't make any mistakes so that your show sounds really good to the audience. But once you've mastered that piece, the other layer is that showmanship. Working the audience is the piece that's more ambiguous and not as obvious how you go about learning it. I started watching a show on Netflix called Rhythm and Flow, and it's kind of like The Voice meets Songland, but for rappers and MCs. It's honestly one of the most interesting things I've watched in about a year. One of the things that keeps jumping out at me is how much chance the rapper T.I. and Cardi B critique these artists based on their ability to engage an audience. When you're rapping, it's just you and that mic on stage. You don't really play an instrument, And unless you have a live band or backup dancers, there isn't anyone else on the stage for you to engage with. When I'm on stage, I pretty much know what to do with my hands. I play my guitar. As wonderful as it is to be able to play an instrument, it takes a lot of courage to go on stage with nothing but a mic in your hand and your voice. I don't have a clear answer yet for how you learn to put on a great show. Other than just practice, a lot. Practice talking to the audience. Practice trying different ways to pull them into your show. And over time, that showmanship develops. As this next phase of Little Jane and the Pistol Whips evolves, I'm curious what success as a musician feels like and looks like to you um well success as a musician I guess has always just been having people show up and enjoy your music and you know I may do a kickstarter for this next album I have not done one for either of my other albums I kind of have three, you know, and the EP that I did before all those, but I paid for them myself out of my own pocket. And it was really tough and really hard. And so success might mean to me, which is hard getting funded on a social media platform that will help pay for that next album. And then in that help people feel really engaged and a part of that project. You know, I know everybody's doing it, getting funded and money through those Kickstarters or GoFundMe. I just haven't done it yet. I just wanted to do it myself. But in that, maybe you lose some of that camaraderie or that buy-in from your fans where they could say, I helped make that possible, you know, yeah. whether you need it or not. It's, and I, I could use it, but I mean, it's just, 
it's almost letting somebody in, you know, like letting them in to help, letting them, you know, where before I was like, I got this, I'm going to cash out any savings I ever had and go all in, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to do that anymore. So, you know, success would be getting a successful project funded and, you know, just taking the whole group to whether it's Nashville or wherever we go to do this album, getting that third album out and really promoting it and getting excited about it, I think would feel very successful because I feel of dropping the ball a little bit. Like I, I call some of these songs new and they've been out for three or four years. So it's almost weighing on the back of my mind that like, I need to get this out. You know, I want to get this out, you know? And so that would feel very successful to me. And then just trusting and being, I'm just not a super trusting person. So, you know, trusting the process of everybody in Montana is going to get behind this thing and help out or whoever, you know, and we're going to do this together and that's okay. You know? Yeah. So I think that could be a very exciting new chapter and, and just a different vulnerable place to be, you know, a, because you could not get funded and B because you have a lot more people riding on your success than just you, you know? So I think it's probably the way to go playing out. That's always a a success is getting those gigs. And then also I'd really, you know, the Livingston Bozeman area has a real uptick of lady singers and songwriters. And I just love to connect more with those people too, you know? So get out to their shows, support them, and hopefully the reverse happens as well. And then maybe like we did, you know, have some songwriting workshops or sit down with some of these people and just, you know, do round uh, songwriter in the round kind of shows in the area. I think that'd just be really cool is just to partner more with the other females out there trying to do this. Yeah, I definitely think that would be just one more gold star on the already great Bozeman music scene. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I was thinking of, I was listening to the Pistolanis today, which I do love them. And uh, I was like, Oh, how cool would that be to like get three gals and sing one of these songs or those songs or, you know, just partner with people more would be a real success is become more engaged in my community and support the people that support me. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember you telling me that you finally got to the point where you could quit your day job and support yourself full time off music. That sounds like a pretty big milestone on that success road. Yeah, well, a big part of that too is having a husband that makes good money. I mean, that is huge hugely important and that was what kind of led me to be able to go to California and he's been really supportive in that regard you know I'm applying currently to grad school to become a mental health counselor or a social worker or an addictions counselor or maybe all of the above so I don't think I can totally support myself full-time with music my bandmates can because they play in a bunch of different bands you know they're they're side players for three or four or five different bands. 
And so they can actually do that where I have one band. And if you played too much, you saturate the market. Nobody wants to come out to see it because they'll see you tomorrow or the next day or, you know, so, you know, I, I wouldn't say I could technically I'm trying to get a new day job, <laughs> but one with way more flexibility so that I have the time to play music as well as you know help people in the community if i could do mental health counseling i could work two or three days a week and then have the other days open to do music as well you know so just reformatting that day job concept that i'm doing something i love in a more professional capacity and then also sticking which lets me do the music you know mm-hmm. so it sounds like part of your success definition is finding ways to combine different revenue streams in a way that gives you the life that you really want with music. Right. Music is, thank you. You're so good at that. (laughs) Framing there. That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Music is so important and I don't have children and I don't have pets. So right now it's just, you know, me, my man and my music. And so you know, finding that time or that career that lets me be flexible and play music is huge. Like one of the, you know, I'm working for uh, L'Esprit Mental Health in Livingston. When I interviewed, I said, I do have my band, you know, that is, I want to mention that, that is very important to me. And they said, we love it. We love that you do that. So I mean, finding agencies and places like that is so important. Or my old boss that let me do the songwriting group, like, you know, if somebody didn't appreciate music or the arts and I had to work for them, I don't think it would work out very well. Mm-hmm. You know, it just wouldn't if, because I don't know, I, I just, I don't even understand people that don't think art is helpful or music to people's mental health or, um, you know, any, any bit of that healing on a mental health journey or self exploration. Like I think it's so important. I mean, that's my personal belief, but yeah, yeah. You found two things that support each other. Right. And I would sure just like the last time I would bring aspects of that into my work, you know? Yeah. Create creativity. Well, they do help. <laughs> yes. Hugely. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would want someone trying to make their own career in music to know or remember? I mean, if someone is trying to make a career in music, I would just say, don't get discouraged and don't take it personal. And we got to all help each other out. So, I mean, what I'm thinking about when I say that is trying to get into new venues and new areas. And I think, you know, don't get discouraged by, you know, going to these places and handing your card or meeting these people and they say no or we don't have room for that right now. And just just like any job opportunity, just be the squeaky wheel, you know, and oftentimes people finally eventually, maybe just out of exhaustion, give you a chance. <laughs> you you wear them down to the point that they just say, Well fine, you know, come on in or whatever. But I just hope people don't get discouraged and they just keep going out there and spreading good music and good energy and, you know, always, if anybody ever wants to chat about that kind of stuff, they can always hit me up on any social media platform or, you know, just like you and I stay in touch. It's helpful to talk about 
music or struggles that we have as we're going along. So I just want to support people as much as I can. Yeah, well, you are a fantastic person for that. I will vouch myself. (laughs) Well, I really enjoy you and I'm so glad you stay in touch. And I hope we just always continue to do that because it means a lot to me. Yes, please. Means a lot to me too. Okay, good. (laughs) Well, your questions, and I'm just honored to even be part of this. Thank you so much for having me. And that's been so fun just to even, it's inspiring even to talk about music and what's going on. My pleasure. I'm glad that I could share your story this way. Yes. And I am glad I can share your story when this comes out too. So thank you. (laughs) Win, win. Yeah. So last thing, where can listeners find you and your music online? Um, Our website, uh, little, so it's www.littlejaneandthepistolwhips.com. We do have our first album up there, so you can preview it if you want to buy it or download it on iTunes. I think we are on Spotify as well, so we are on iTunes and Spotify, and I believe... You know, you could probably just Google us and find. You can hear us on YouTube and see us, which is nice, at Little Jane and the Pistol Whips um, URL. And then Instagram, stay in touch, Little Jane MT. And the same on Facebook, Little Jane and the Pistol Whips. But yeah, all kinds of different ways. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I'm thank so you. glad that I got to have you on. Please check the show notes for links to find Ashley's music, social media, and all that fun stuff. One last thing before you go today. There are techniques, strategies, and routines that work best for different people. With that in mind, I encourage you to consider this. How can you design a life that you love? Regardless of what percentage of your income is from your music, how can you enjoy the process that comes with each day? Thank you.